the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Joining me today is CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a regional director with EP Wealth. He is my former co-founder at New Focus Financial. He's got a great podcast that he does once a week, roughly. You can find it called New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton at Apple, at Google, anywhere like Spotify, you would find your podcast. You can find his podcast. You can find out more about Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Mr. Burton, are you with me? I am with you, sir. Good. I didn't check before we went on air, so I was fingers crossed there. Um, let's talk a little bit more about what people can look into if they need some return but don't want a lot of risk. We hear this on a regular basis in good economies and bad economies, in good stock markets and bad stock markets, where they want the reward to be as high as possible, but they want the risk to be as low as possible. Now, in a down market, you're going to give different advice. I'm sure in an up market, you're going to give different advice. What do you make of that statement in the first place? And and where do you send people to go for information? Well, I mean, first of all, to go get information on anything that's kind of alternative to traditional stocks or bonds, you, you want to make sure you're dealing with a fiduciary, right? That's somebody that does not sell any commission-based products. They're, they're, if the, I mean, the best route to take is what we do, which is certified financial planner, which means you have taking tests and taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, you've passed each one of those tests and you do a a final exam that's given over two days. It has a national pass rate of 55%. So a lot of people have to take it twice to get that certified financial planner designation. But then you have to make sure that they are fee only and put in writing that they're a fiduciary because then you don't want you don't want the advice to be biased. You don't want to go for financial help and then all of a sudden somebody's selling you a high fee annuity or a big fat life insurance policy that they promise all this tax-free growth. And, and then, you know, you dump a bunch of money into it five years later, you realize it's riddled with fees and things like that. So you, you definitely have to be careful with the advice, but I think that that's becoming much more known than when we started this 20 years ago, right, Rob? Or together anyways, 20 years ago on radio. I, I just 22. saw an article, Chad, that said... Um, my friend paid cash for a house. He made a mistake. And I, I read the article. I just wanted to see if there's anything I could use for the on air. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it was it was basically sponsored by Ascent Mortgages. I'm like, oh, that's why they wrote this article. <laughs> um, but it was it was a great clickbait. 
So be careful getting advice from anything you're clicking on, I think is what you're also trying to say. But back to you. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The mortgage. I mean, if you remember, probably even three plus years ago, we used to tell people never, ever, ever, ever pay off your mortgage, right? At, at these at these rates. Not So I would say that we probably were saying that from, what, 2007 through until tax changes in 2017. And okay. what happened for retirees is that in 2017, with that tax act that was passed, it drastically increased the standard deduction. And a large majority of retirees are no longer truly getting a interest deduction from their mortgage because their rates are so low. And between the rates and the limitation on state and local income taxes, um, you know, when you file your taxes, you either take the standard deduction or you itemize, <clears throat> excuse me, and most of that is your, your mortgage interest and your local, state and local taxes limited to 10 grand. And so a lot of retirees, Rob, are not getting a deduction from their mortgage. So if they're trying to say, okay, I've got a bunch of cash and I'm not willing to take risk with it. Um, I don't want to buy bonds because rates are going up and bonds are going down. And I already own t- too much in stocks and I'm not willing to buy more. Well, that person may be okay and feel much better about paying off their mortgage if they're not getting a tax deduction anymore. That's not something you and I would have said prior to 2017. You know what's funny about that is when that happened in 2017, I believe there were some taxes that are going to expire after 10 years. Is that one of the ones that expire where a Republican agenda will get something in and they'll grandfather it out after 10 years or the Democrats will get a a plan in and it grandfathers out after 10 years or six years when the president leaves office? How much do you have to deal with like stuff that expires and stuff that comes new on the books? That's probably easy to figure out. But stuff that's expiring is probably a little bit more research intensive. Yeah, and luckily our software that we use um, already projects that the current tax situation expires and reverts back to where we were prior to 2017. Okay. So, um, I mean, you can bet that it's going to change. We, we know it's going to expire and revert back to where it was. So, for example, one of the big ones for wealthy people is, is right now, you know, as a couple or as a single person, you could pass on twelve over twelve million to your heirs without estate taxes, or you know, twenty four plus with as a married couple. That's set to expire and drop down to five million or so per person in twenty twenty seven uh, or twenty twenty six rather. And so we know that if we don't, if we get a divided Congress, um, and basically we get you know these next elections, we see okay, not much is going to get done. We know there's going to be a mad rush of estate planning in two years, two to three years. That, that's going to be our full-time jobs is how do we take advantage of that ability to gift a heck of a lot more for wealthy people into specific type of trusts now um, so that we're grandfathered in when the laws change in 2026. And then, yeah, a lot of the, the standard deduction, the different limitations, personal exemptions, that's all set to expire. But I don't think it will just expire and revert back to where it was. We'll probably get a change of administration in Congress and and an overall tax package. Rob, taxes are the lowest it's ever been since the the 28 years that I've been in the business. There is a zero and a 15 and a 23.8% capital gains bracket. When I first got into the business, it was 27%. And so... And the income brackets have also come down a bit, whereas our our national debt has gone up. And so I think that we've enjoyed really low inflation and really low taxes, uh, especially since 2017. And um, we're probably going to get 
you know, we're a, high, a little bit higher inflation and probably higher taxes in the future. And just because you brought it up, I'll, I'll put an I and dash the T on this one. Our government issues a lot of debt. And when you issue debt, when the 10-year treasury is at 2%, it's a lot different than when you issue it at 3% or 4%. So the cost of issuing debt is going higher, not just for you and me with our mortgages, but also for the United States government. So maybe we'll see a less stimulus in the future. Um, any thoughts on being a Elon Musk bro and just doing what he does? I consider myself wealthy. Should I just do everything that he does and like move to Texas? Or buy Dogecoin and then tell everybody else to, to get in on it and then sell it? <laughs> okay, well, that's not <laughs> what I was looking for. I was looking for estate planning. Obviously, Texas is a very tax-friendly state, but they have some problems in Texas with like well, education systems. California is a great state to die in, Rob. Okay. So it's, it's expensive to make your money there because of the state uh, taxes on top of federal taxes where, you know, Washington has no state income tax. Um, and, but if you look at Washington, if you die with over $2 million, you start paying Washington estate taxes. California doesn't have any estate taxes. Not only that, California is a community property state. So if your assets are held properly, when the first spouse dies, the surviving spouse gets a step up in basis on everything. They could sell Everything, all their real estate and and uh, you know stocks in their brokerage account without paying taxes, the capital gains gets wiped out under current law. So California is actually a, a good place to die. We can talk about <laughs> this and many many more topics. It's a good place to die. You can be planted next to a tree. It's kind of earthy as well. And we're talking about some of the events that we're going to be planning for 2023 and 2024, and some of the things we're thinking about. Obviously, seminars, some webinars, probably. But one of the things is kind of an experience, like maybe whiskey tasting. And I haven't really brought it up with you personally yet, Chad, but I just saw Jim Beam is plotting a $400 million Kentucky bourbon expansion. Now, I'm not going to talk about bourbon, I'm not going to talk about Kentucky Derby, but do you remember when I was a spokesperson for Maker's Mark? I was an ambassador for Maker's Mark. Oh my God. Was that CNET days? That was um, CBS radio days, but oh shortly God. thereafter, CNET. And uh, it just made me a. a ambassador and basically basically gave me a case of of whiskey <laughs> it's ridiculous Did it make you an alcoholic too <laughs> no it's the funny thing i didn't really like maker's mark whiskey um but do you have anything uh, advertiser now on this station <laughs> <laughs> fair enough but uh it just shows you the power of radio has kind of gone down because at this point in time i probably can't even get um uh, you know bud light to sponsor me as an ambassador um i digress um we're going to be doing some events soon. And, you know, we're going to try to create some experiences. And you and I will talk a little bit about that as we move forward. I'm speaking with CFP Chad Burton. He is a regional director for EP Wealth. You can find EP Wealth in their whole staff. It's a pretty cool website, epwealth.com. You can find Chad Burton, chadburton.com. And I highly endorse catching him on this show, which is going to happen a little bit more often, but also catching him on his show, Do Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton at Places You Find Podcast. Chad, um, let's talk a little bit about Social Security because for the first time ever, CFP Brad, uh, he works with you. He used to work with me at New Focus, but he's now my financial planner. He said, Rob, you need to update uh, your e-money and upload a Social Security statement for me. And I was like, do we really have to look at Social Security as part of my investment income in retirement? And he's like, yes. So yesterday I went to ssa.gov. I downloaded my statement. I uploaded it into the system. He'll probably punch it in and give me some updated calculations. But 
What do you think about Social Security? Um, what's your approach to it now versus 10 years ago, maybe is the better way of saying that. Well, so when I'm you know, doing plans for people that are you know, under 50-ish, um, we're just trying to say, let's, let's make sure we can retire and do the projections without Social Security. Hey. Um, over 50, we'll start to put it in, but I pr- do a pretty low cost of living adjustment on the projected income. Because I mean, here's the deal. It's not like Social Security is broke and it's just going to explode. The, the projections are that in 2034, Social Security will be paying out more benefits than it's taking in on taxes through FICA. So when everybody looks at their paycheck, um, they see FICA tax on there. And that means you pay 6.2% and your employer pays 6.2% up to 147,000 wages. Um, and so by law, you know, if, if it's underfunded like that, benefits have to be essentially changed. And so there's already, you know, pushes bills that are increasing the amount of your wages that are subject to social security up to 250 grand. And it was, I mean, it seems like just five or six years ago that you were only paying FICA on the first $109,000, and now it's already up to $147,000. Wow. So to me, if the benefit's there, it's just going to be replaced by higher taxes even either while you're working or when you're in retirement. And so um, you just have to be a little bit careful. It's just a lot of the tricks that we used to be able to do with Social Security, the, the strategies for spouses and you know, file and suspend and restricted applications. That's all changed. So now it's, you know, what's the right time to take Social Security? And um, between you and your spouse, how long are you guys likely to live based on your health? Um, and what are some of the other strategies that you might be implementing, such as early retirement and IRA to Roth conversions? Because if you take Social Security too early, while you're, 85% of it's typically taxable. And so it can kind of screw up your IRA to Roth conversion strategy for those that retire early and are doing small IRA to Roth conversions all the way up through age 71 before their required minimum distributions kick in. If you go to ssa.gov, it's free. You can sign up for an account. You can see your statement. I'm looking at mine right now. If I retire at 62, I could get a monthly benefit of $2,237. If I retire at age 70, it's all the way up to $4,217. That's an increase of $2,000 a month. Simple math tells me that's $24,000 extra a year. That's doing the math. I'm going to get you know that $4,000 benefit times 12 months is $48,000 a year in income from Social Security. I don't know what that adjusts for with inflation and everything else, but it's interesting to know. And it's a little bit calming and relaxing. There's a lot of information on SSA.gov, um, including when you get Medicare, when do you qualify not, if you die, what does your spouse get? Um, it's a pretty good tool for the average person, but it's also a great tool for you. I mean, I'm sure you look at SSA statements all the time. Yeah, but one of the things that you have to realize is that when you're looking at those statements that you get, mm-hmm they're always assuming you work until that certain age, which is why we have a software program to really do social security analysis to help couples, especially decide when to, when each person should take their social security. Right. Um, Because Because you can mess it up at working past 65, right? No, you can't mess it up. It's just that if you're looking at your age 70 retirement benefits right now, and you're, you know, you're, you're getting a dollar value on that. It's assuming you're working through age 70. So if you retire at age 60, it, it's not going to exactly be that number. See what I'm saying? So it's assuming you're continuing to make the same amount of money in, until you're 70. So if you've only had five of your last, you know, 
years at the high income level, it's assuming you're at that high income level for another, you know, several years until you hit 70. So you just have to kind of be careful and know what you're actually looking at. Um, and I think the most important one for couples, especially when the higher income earner has the worst health history and may likely die sooner, mm-hmm. it's you have to remember as a couple that when one person dies, the survivor keeps the larger check. And so we've had situations where people come in and the the a lot of times it's the guy who's you know has a higher earnings history and higher social security because the spouse stayed at home with the kids before they went back to work and you know that, that well I'm only going to probably live till I'm like 78 80 based on family history and my heart condition. Well, you know what? You still need to wait till you're 70 to take your social security so that when you pass away your spouse gets that higher check. <sighs> That's a tough conversation to have, Chad. Well, yeah, that's why we, I mean, talk a, a lot about health issues. You, you have to really combine your health and fitness with your financial planning advice. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Chad, do you remember when I'd show up to seminars with that book on dividends and uh, the Dividend Achievers books? They come out quarterly. It's something that it was like $200 for a book. It was ridiculously expensive. But I really love dividends and I really love aristocratic dividends. Um, especially in down markets, getting that dividend. And I, I looked at all my stocks yesterday with CFP Brad, and I was like, how much am I pulling in dividends? And when he gave me the number, I'm like, good, because right now I'm reinvesting those. But later on in life, I'm going to turn that into an income stream or part of my income stream in retirement. And it was just nice to go through that software on eBoney and figure out what I have and what I don't have. Any thoughts on dividend aristocrats? Well, yeah. So, the, I mean, the book you used to talk about is Merchants, Dividend Achievers. Yep. And, um, I mean, that's how we, uh, uh, new focus anyway, the, the, the only individual stocks that we would buy in the large cap space would be those that, you know, the first screen was had a history of increasing their dividend by an average of 10% over a 10 year period. Um, but we're not looking for high dividend yielding stocks, right? Because a lot of times those are paying out almost, they're almost borrowing money to pay their dividend. That's right. And so we would be looking for companies that had really good cash flow. They had, you know, their free cash flow, their dividend payout ratio was, you know, under a certain amount. I'm not going to go through all the screening processes now, but it shows that the co- we still want growth stocks, right? I don't want you know, just a cash cow. I want a growth stock that pays a dividend but has a history of raising their dividend because once you retire, talk about the passive income with your kids that stocks can provide. Most stocks pay dividends, right? And if all of your money is coming from dividends in the U.S. stocks, there's a large amount that you can take at a 0% bracket under current tax law. So it's a really great form of passive income because even in 2009 when the stock market was, or 2008 when the stock market was way down, our average dividend increase by the companies we owned was up 13%. So the stock, the portfolio was down in value, but the income being generated that was giving, being sent to our retired client's checking account went up and you got paid to wait. And so when you're younger and you're buying ETFs and stocks, you reinvest those dividends to buy more shares. And then once you retire, you turn off the dividend reinvestment and you, if you need the money, you start taking it. 
and it's passive income. You have to do nothing. With a rental property, if you own a rental property, you either have to pay a, a, a property manager 8% plus of your income or you do it yourself and you have to deal with you know, replacing carpet every so often, painting, uh, vacancies, people that don't pay rent, uh, kicking people out. You know, that, that's a much tougher form of passive income than owning stocks. And so dividend achievers, I mean, that was that merchants was eventually sold to the NASDAQ. And then you've got different ETFs out there like VIG through Vanguard that track that dividend achiever index. And um, you get pretty similar returns to the S&P 500, but you tend to get lower drawdowns. And 2022 is a perfect example of it. Now, during the commercial break, I was asking you, what is Irma? Because you'll give me some bullet points and sometimes you won't explain the bullet points. And I'm like, what is Irma? And I'm like, it's a quiz. It feels like Jeopardy to me. I'm like, um, I maybe IRA minus asset allocation. And nope, I don't got it. What is Irma? Oh, uh, Irma. It sounds like an old, an older person's name, like somebody that would be, you know, in their 80s. <laughs> yes. My mom's okay. name was Eunice. Eunice. So her yeah, her yeah. sister could have been Irma. Yep. Well, Irma is the Karen of retirement taxes. Oh, not good. I know <laughs> I'm gonna get going to get email on that one. <laughs> All right. So Irma, it's, it's I-R-M-A-A, right? And essentially what it is, is that when you, when you retire, um, when you turn 65, you can get on Medicare. Mm-hmm. And Medicare Part A, you get for free. Medicare Part B, you have to pay for. And typically, your Medicare Part B premiums, and then you have supplemental insurance to pay, you know, the, the office visits and, co- and then you have your co-pays and things like that. But you, once you're 65, you, you don't want to delay. You want to start the process three months early to sign up for Medicare Part B because if you miss the sign-up window, it, the penalties are quite high. And the only way you can delay it is if you're over 65 and you're still working for a company that has a group plan. Um, and then you can delay it without penalty. But if you retire at 62 and, and you've got to remember three months early to 60, from 65 to sign up, and most people pay $170.10 a month for their monthly Part B premiums, Rob. But to get that premium, you if you're single, your modified adjusted gross income, which includes your tax-free bond income, has to be under $91,000. Or if you're married, it has to be under $182,000. Once you start making over those limits, you start paying more for your Medicare Part B premiums. The next level is $238 a month. You go all the way up. If your income is over a half a million individual or over 750000 joint, you are paying $578.30 a month for the same crappy coverage. So that is a, a success tax. Um, and what can happen in retirement is you can sell something or have an income event that can cause you to pay those premiums. And usually the you know, Social Security is looking back um, you know, at your return from two years prior. So for an example, we had a client that had sold a piece of property in Palo Alto and they all of a sudden got this notice that they're going to have to pay 578 bucks a month. And there's a form that you can fill out when you have a life-changing event like a retirement or the sale of an income-producing property like a rental mm-hmm. where it creates a large gain or an income situation that's a one-time event that's not going to continue. You can fill out a form and fight it and um, basically get it reduced back to where your you know income is projected to be going forward. But it's something that you have to consider when you're doing like an IRA to Roth conversion strategy, 
Um, you have to consider what are my taxes now? What are they projected to be in the future? And how will this IRA to Roth conversion increase my taxable income, thereby increasing my Medicare Part B premiums because of IRMA? So um, as you can see, tax planning with retirement, it's pretty intensive because you have, when do you take Social Security? And when once you get Social Security, the way the formula works is up to 85% of it can be taxable income, which can affect how much can I ver- convert from an IRA to a Roth. And then it can also affect, okay, what's my total uh, income in terms of my Medicare Part B premiums. There's just these, a lot of, of circular calculations that have to be done. It makes, uh, you know, trying to figure out when to retire and take these benefits of uh, kind of a full-time job. Keeps me it's employed. It's interesting to note because someone came into me and wanted to work with you and then he found there's fees involved and he was a little intimidated by paying fees in retirement. I understand. I want to be frugal too. But there's no chance I want to deal with IRMA issues. So I've come to the conclusion I'm better off with the CFP paying some fees. I'm cool with that. Um, do you see any, like, sometimes people shoot themselves in the foot because they don't want to work with a financial planner where it's kind of a legal relationship, like a lawyer, where you want to get a good lawyer, you don't want a cheap lawyer, and you don't want to defend yourself in court by yourself. Um, is there any headwinds that you, you see in that area? Well, most a lot of what we do, I mean, it, when it comes to financial planning, there's, there's usually you know different options that can work for the family, and you talk your way through which one feels the best for both of you, right? You know, if okay. it's a couple. But a lot of what we do is keep people from making major mistakes, and we tend to find ways to pay for ourselves over time, either by how things perform in a down market in a tough time. Um, making sure portfolios are set up so you're not having to sell in a down market, making sure you know we're talking you off a cliff so you're not selling at the bottom, um, and tax strategies. So for example, I find people that are gifting a lot of money on an annual basis. And um, the other day I looked at a tax return and there was 150000 in gifting over the prior two years. And so two strategies for the next couple of years, we created a donor advised fund where we took $300,000 of stock that had a a, a $50,000 cost basis. In other words, if they ever would have sold it, they would have paid over $100,000 in taxes. So we funded a donor advised fund with a highly appreciated stock, got a huge tax deduction and wiped out that gain. They now can use that money, sell the stock and give the money to charity and avoid the capital gains taxes. And then after two years, once they turn 70 and a half, they're going to give that money to charity that they give every month to their favorite church, um, it's going to come right out of the IRA. So they're going to start giving with money that's never been taxed. And that's going to save about 70 grand a year in taxes. Um, so, you know, person like that, we're paying for ourselves. I totally agree. And it, I don't want to sound like I'm a cheerleader for an obvious reasons because you're tied to the industry. I'm tied to the industry. But I, I find it frustrating sometimes when I see people try to do it themselves in retirement. I have no problem with people accumulating wealth on their own. But managing wealth is a totally different trick. Um, wrapping up the segment, we've got about a minute and a half. Is there anything we need to hit on this? And maybe next segment we'll hit college planning. Uh, let's see. In terms of Social Security? We could do Social and, Security. We could do healthcare premium assistance. You tell me. Well, I'll just say that there's there's a couple of different phases of income distribution planning and where you're drawing your money from and how much cash you should have on hand. There is the 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 period from the day you retire to the day is that you're supposed to take Social Security, and then from that point to when you're starting your required minimum distributions, your distribution strategy changes, and how much cash you have in different accounts has to change too. 
um, based on you know how much you're drawing out of your portfolio each year. And if you don't have a financial plan that shows that, you don't have a plan at all. Um, other to- topics on social security that we need to hit. Um, I don't know. That 8% return just keeps hitting me as far as stay involved and, and put off social security as long as you can. But when do you take it early? When do you take it at 62? The opposite side of this. Uh, well, typically, if you're, you know, single, your your health isn't very good, you don't think you're going to live past much, you know, like age 80, and nobody's depending on your income when you pass away, then that's the person that typically would take it early. Okay. So I'm with you on that. It's um, interesting because we're all living a little bit longer until COVID hit, then we started living a little bit shorter. So life expectancy does have something to do with your financial plan. I grew up in the 70s watching my dad do taxes and it was crazy. Come, you know, March, April, he'd pull all the documents together, sit at the table and just grief over the tax code. It's a bigger tax code now. I use a certified public accountant, a CPA, in large part because I'm complicated. The IRS is talking about potentially letting you file online for free if you make under $73,000. That sounds great. And it's great if you're simple. But when you become more complicated, when you have a little bit more wealth, maybe a little bit more property, maybe a a, a second marriage, you really got to think about using a professional service. I have a CPA and a CFP. When I was 25 years old, I wanted to do it all myself. That's my way of introducing CFP, Chad Burton. He's a regional director for EP Wealth. Uh, he's got a great podcast. You can listen to it. Check it out at, it's called New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Um, it'll pop up at Spotify, Google, or Apple podcast locations amongst many, many more. Chad, let's talk a little college planning because um, we both have kids. You've got a couple kids in college. I've got a couple kids in middle school and starting high school. Um, it's a big expense and I don't know if it's going to be as worth it for them as it was for me. And it has me thinking about the cost associated with it. Yeah. And it's, you know, my specialty has always been retirement estate planning. And so having two kids in college right now, it's been, I depend on, we have a a certified financial planner at Mike Ramirez is kind of the EP college planning specialist. So he's the guy that knows more about, um, the FAFSA forms, you know, and even wealthier people that know that they're not going to get any special grants or, you know, help. They're not necessarily grants rather, but any financial help and special loans, they should still fill out the forms I learned from him because that can still then qualify you for certain grants. But even once my son went to Texas Tech in the financial planning degree program there, he got a a, a scholarship that from day one that gave him in-state tuition. It was a small scholarship that he got, um, but that one scholarship from the, the school gave him that. I mean, so that was way cheaper than we ever expected. That's um, nice. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, there's such a shortage of certified financial planners, Rob. I mean, it's if your kid is interested in finance and business, talk to them about the, the personal financial planning degree programs that are around the country at like places like Texas Tech um, because the demand is so high. And, and it's a great second career as well, not just for college kids. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going to see a lot. You know where I'm seeing a lot of layoffs is in the mortgage industry, especially mortgage processors, since applications are down so much. Um, that might be a good you know, second career for somebody that's been doing that. I know a new one that was mortgage processor for 22 years and recently laid off. 
got a good pedigree because they've been dealing with money and collecting forms from people and asking for income statements. So they're kind of right up your your alley, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 529 plans. Um, speaking with Brad yesterday, my financial planner at EP, and I hate sounding like a broken record, but I do dig the guy and I think he does a great job. One of the things he said is, look at your estate in 20 years and how much taxes you're going to owe. And he said, don't forget to fund your 529 plans this year. I'm like, ah, I kind of feel they're pretty good. I think one account has about 50, one account has about 40, and they've got about four more years till they go to school. And he goes, state taxes, state taxes. And I'm like, ah. So by the end of the year, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and continue to fund, even though I've got a feeling my kids would be happier not going to college and becoming things like maybe a dentist or a plumber or an electrician. I know you got to get some college work before a dentist, and I'm not saying it's bad, but even but my I think, kids... I think the angle that Brad's going with here, Rob, is, is that you're going to be able to afford to pay for your kids' college directly out of you know current assets versus the 529 plans. So maybe right. you leave the 529 plans for their kids because if they don't use it, you can just change it to your grandkids when you have them. I forgot and, about that. And it's your one asset that after um, a certain period of time, it's totally out of your estate, even though you still control it and can bring it back in. Okay. Now, is that the number one estate planning goal? No, I would, you know, doing things like slats or spousal lifetime access trusts slash annuity trusts, not with annuities, but it's just a way to set up accounts so that it can be, all the growth can be out of your estate for estate tax purposes, but your spouse could still use, you know, pull money back out of it for income. There, there's still some better options than that, but that's the angle that Brad's going with is, um, you know, fund it for your grandkids. And, and by the way, if it's outside of your estate for estate tax purposes. And be the coolest grandfather in the world, right? Yeah. Even from the grave, it sounds like a pretty good way to be remembered. Uh, yeah. My grandfather paid for my college. Shelly, uh, my spouse, um, she had a great grandfather. Her parents are okay, but her grandparents were awesome. So that's one of the reasons I do this show is to get people to retirement so they can be great grandparents and love their grandchildren. It's a weird thing to say out loud, but it's really nice to have that role in your life of a grandparent who's not your parent and someone who loves you unconditionally. Now, you mentioned EP as a specialist on college planning. I'm not there yet, but let's say in five years, I want to talk college planning and Brad goes, eh, it's not really my thing. Will he set me up with an appointment with a specialist or will he just call upon that guy himself? Uh, both. I mean, both. You, can, you can get the information from the specialist. Uh, like a lot of it is, okay, here's in, in this situation, in this school, here's the different avenues that you can go to apply for various scholarships and things like that. Um, I'm... And it, I'm the normal step with 529 plans that I will say is a lot of the age-based 529 plans drop used to you know pretty much go to cash as the kid aged. And from what I'm seeing, a lot of the 529 plans changed it so that it was almost too bond heavy. And so a lot of people have losses in their 529 plans this year that they didn't quite expect as their kids are about to go to college because the 529 plans reallocated too much to bonds. Oh, that's funny. That's a sad so, consequence. Yeah, and there's one uh, couple that they have three different kids that are you know, in college or that are going to go to college. And we've decided since the first kid, we're, we're going to pay for their directly shift all the assets to the young, much younger children so that it can be invested at a lower market and be used for growth. Um, so there might be some reallocation that you need to do with your 529 plans right now. 
Thanks very much, Chad. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. Financial planning is one of those topics that is ever in, never ending and it's always ongoing. If you want to talk with Chad or learn from his podcast, his podcast is New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. You can find it at Apple, at Google, at Spotify, and many, many more. You can probably click on a link at chadburton.com. He's got some videos and some good downloads that you should take. 15 things you need to do before hiring a financial planner. That's one of them. You can find him at chadburton.com. He's CFP and Regional Director for EP Wealth. Thanks for joining us today, Chad. All right, thank you, Rob. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.